you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be on let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. Hey, you know, our work becomes worship when we do it with all of our might for the glory of the Lord. Remember that every job is sacred. Every job is worthy of your best effort. No matter what the job is, you make it the best you can and turn it into something people are cheering about because your effort inspires them. And then they're going to say, Why? Why, Jim? Why are you doing this? Why? You're making me look bad. Then you give an opportunity to tell them about Christ. Your efforts inspire them because you seek excellence in everything that you do. That's what I Work For Him is about. We're here to recognize that our workplace is our mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Our verse for today, Proverbs 28, 18, whoever walks in integrity will be delivered, but he who is crooked in his ways will suddenly fall. We've got a repeat guest today. About a year and a half ago, I brought on this fantastic guest. His name is Rick Box. He's the founder and the CEO of the Integrity Resource Center. You can find them online at integrityresource.org. That's integrityresource.org. Fantastic resource. Rick Box, welcome back to I Work For Him. Oh, well, thank you, Jim. I greatly appreciate uh, being on the air with you today. 
You know, I just really wanted the listeners here in Tampa Bay to hear all about IntegrityResource.org and find out about the great resource that it really is. Because every day, every time I go out there, it's not every day, every time I go out there, I'm like, wow, there's so much good stuff out there. And people can, you do a daily radio thing that's recorded so people listen to your daily radio message. They can sign up for all of great things just to be inspired to live in integrity in their workplace. And I just want people to really hear about it. And I also really want people to hear about your incredible book, which you wrote a while ago, but I just reread it for the second time a couple uh, last week. It's like, wow, what a great handbook for being in business as a Christ follower. We're going to talk about that later and also give away a copy of your book, How to Prosper in Business Without Sacrificing Integrity, right after our next break. So Rick, as I do with each one of my guests, I just want people to hear that you're real. So tell our listeners today how Christ is making a difference in your life right now. Well, that's a great, great question, uh, Jim, and it's just been uh, so exciting over all these years of being in the ministry that I was a financial guy, you know, that spent a lot of time in banking and public accounting and all around the financial world, and so whenever God led me to kind of leap out of banking and into uh, the things that we're doing today, I had a lot of business leaders that said to me, you're an idiot if you think anybody's going to you know, support you going and talking to business people about the Bible. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it was a real faith journey. And so over time, you kind of hope that you get to a place to where, okay, I got it figured out and I can move forward and, and uh, it's going to all be okay. But reality is, is even as we've grown and expanded uh, over the years, what happens is is the bar keeps getting raised, and so it's a continual step of faith. And so in the early years, it was a step of faith every day to wonder, you know, how are we going to cover payroll? What are we going to do to get by here and get by there? And and uh, instead, as we've uh, moved down this path, it's still a step of faith because God is growing us, bringing new people in, giving us great opportunities to minister to people all over the world. And every day is just this uh, faith journey of saying, okay, Lord, I hope you got it today because I'll mess it up if it's on my own. Isn't it amazing, though, how the Lord, he wants such a deep relationship with us that he'll constantly stretch our face so that we become dependent on him for everything. And it's, you know, I'd much rather be in the position that you're in, Rick, which I am with this ministry. I work from the radio show every day. It's a step of faith. But I'd much rather be there than have so much that I forget where it came from. Yes, a, a whole lot more people uh, leave the Lord due to prosperity than actually out of poverty. Yeah, and and that's, to me, a danger. I don't want to have... I, I'd much rather never be rich in American eyes. I know I'm rich in the world's eyes, but I'd much rather never be rich and, and damage my relationship with the Lord. It's just so important to me. Now, every day you record an integrity moment, and it's heard on... How many stations is it heard on every day? Uh, about 260 radio stations now. So do you get to record those? Do you record those every day and put them out there? Or do you record a month at a time? How How often do you put those out there? Yeah, we record a month at a time and then just uh, put them out there for the radio stations to download and uh, and program them into their programming. Now, in it's as I've listened to those every day, you always try to nail them to the to the date if there's something significant going on, on that date. How I mean, are you tired of doing it or is it still fun to do it every every month? No, it's still fun and actually it it fascinates me because whenever I first started writing these and I've been 
uh, writing the Daily Integrity Moments uh, probably 11 or 12 years now. And in the early years, I remember thinking, well, maybe I can get a year or two years worth of content and then I'll run dry. But I've just never run dry. The Lord is so gracious to bring stories and illustrations in my path. You know, you wrote an incredible book, and we're going to do our book highlight segment now because I really want to spend this segment really talking about some of the super-duper chewy meat inside your book because it is, I mean, it is a veritable encyclopedia in 180 pages of how to do business, 190-some pages. Our book today we're highlighting is How to Prosper in Business Without Sacrificing Integrity, written by our guest today, Rick Box with the Integrity Resource Center. Find him online at integrityresource.org. Rick, what I love about this book is you poured your heart out. You were very transparent and vulnerable even in this book as you shared your testimony on how the Lord led you to living a life of integrity and really how the Lord led you to following him. What first? What inspired you to write the book? You know, it's interesting that when I look back, even before I was um, really introduced to a relationship with Christ, Early in my uh, business life, I sat down one day and I felt like I needed to write a book about how to do business. And I wrote two or three pages, and I read it. I watered it up and threw it in the trash and said, I don't have a clue. How can I write about this when I don't have a clue? And it was all the years later, after God had really gotten a hold of my life, that I, I had that passion bubble back up again in my life. But suddenly I realized, well, God has all the answers in Scripture, and I can write about it now because I can write through the lens of the Bible. And so that was really my passion, was I want to give people a really practical guide. And I used to teach uh, Larry Burkett's Business by the Book seminar, Mm -hmm. and many times at the end of the day I would have people say to me, Okay, now I understand why I should do this, but who's going to tell me how? Right, and Larry's book was very, very good. The only disadvantage of it now is it's 16 years old, and it didn't really incorporate the challenges you'd find on the Internet, doing business on the Internet, because really in 99 when he wrote the book, it was really the Internet was just coming of age. Yeah. Uh, and, and so you bring that in there, but talk about what I love is what led you to recognizing how your integrity was so important. You lost a job because you compromised your integrity. Talk, tell a little bit about that story because that, that's how you kind of lay it up. And that's what I love about the transparent part. You just say, hey, here's how I screwed up. But boy, did I learn a lifelong lesson that day. Yes, and that's true. Whenever I was working my way through college in construction, I worked for a company that were they were very kind to me. They let me come back every summer and work and make good money. But um, One day I was with one of my peers after work, and he had pulled into a gas station that we always filled up the company truck, and we were in his personal car. He filled up his car with gas, and he told them to charge it to the company charge. And whenever I pointed out to him that that wasn't right, he he laughed, and he said, yeah, isn't it great? The company never checks. And I just kind of tucked that away in the back of my mind, and the next summer when I came back from college, time had been really hard. And I found myself in that gas station one day, and I thought, wow, he got away with it. Maybe I'll try it. And so I charged my gas to the company charge, and about a week or two later, I was out in the field working whenever our old CB radio rang out. Breaker, breaker, one nine. Yeah, and uh, 
my boss said, hey, Rick, the uh, owner of the company is down here at the office, and he wants to meet with you. And as I began walking towards the office down this long, straight road, I looked, and standing behind my car was the owner writing down my license plate number. And suddenly I knew what was about to happen. And that was the longest walk of my life as I walked in there and was confronted with my stupidity and the fact that he knew that I had stolen, in essence, from the company by charging my gas to them. And when I lost my job that day, I walked out of that place saying, I never want to experience this embarrassment again. And it really was a defining moment. Now, I still was a long way from uh, turning the corner and accepting Christ and being able to understand the right way to do things, but I knew from that experience how embarrassing it could be and how foolish I had been. And so it just really drove me to a different mindset. That lesson you learned has shaped your life these last 40-plus years, I imagine, or 30-plus years, whatever it may be. What an incredible privilege that was that the Lord loved you so much, even before you gave your life to him, that he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smack you now yeah. so that you don't go any deeper. <laughs> this is why, listeners, you need to get a copy of this book. Rick's book is How to Prosper in Business Without Sacrificing Integrity. All right, Rick, as you wrote this book, you know, this was you only wrote the book about ten years ago. What caused you to found the Integrity Resource Center? You had this business background. You were in banking, or you were, was it a financial planner, or was it banking, or was it both? Uh, banking. Okay, yes. I was a commercial lender. And, well, what what really happened to me was I had been uh, running from God since I was probably twelve years old, and had been very rebellious and lived, lived kind of a wild life, and really didn't want to have anything to do with God until. I was asked to uh, be hired on at a bank that was in trouble, and it needed a good lender to come in and help turn around this bank that had a lot of loan problems. And at the same time, they brought in a new bank president that was about my age, and they asked me to uh, come in as the chief lending officer working for him. And whenever I uh, first met him, he said to me, if you're going to work for me, Rick, you really need to understand my priorities, and God's first, family second, and this bank is third. And at that stage in my life, I was kind of a workaholic, and I thought, how does this guy think he's going to run a bank if it's that low on his <laughs> list of priorities? It just didn't make sense to me. And so I watched him closely, and whenever I would go in and try and get decisions out of this guy, he would say things like, well, Rick, this is what I think we should do, and the reason why is there's a principle in Scripture that teaches this, or there's a proverb that says that. And I would walk out just thinking, oh, I've never had a boss pull out a Bible before. But his decisions kept playing out to be very, very wise. And so God really used him to begin introducing me to the fact that Scripture is practical. It can be applied to the day-to-day business problems that many of us face. And that began me on a journey of really rediscovering God and getting back in alignment with God's will for my life. And so over time, I kept asking the question, well, what else does the Bible have to say about business? Because that was always an area of passion for me. Rick, one of the things I loved as I was reading through, and I'm going to take you off a little bit from the the questions I said I'd ask, you, you mentioned that Every business owner needs to go on a retreat, at least 
I'm trying to remember if you said quarterly or annually, but you said they need to get away on a retreat just to just to shut up and focus on their business and be quiet before the Lord. How often do you suggest that a business owner do that? Well, I think it's it can be up to each person, but I think that if you can get some time away at least once a quarter, that's really helpful for you to just be able to download and hear from God clearly what he's wanting for you to do next. And what I've discovered is is those are seasons when God will pour the most unique ideas into you. And so there's been times in my life whenever I've gotten away, I've had that retreat time, and towards the end of it, God may just speak a brand new idea or a, a direction that I just needed to hear. And so it's a special time with the Lord when we do that. You know, your last job before you launched the Integrity Resource Center was you were working at a small community bank. Right. So how did God move you from being a banker, a commercial lender, which is really quite a complicated task, finding good, uh, really good loans to put money against in the hope that they're actually going to pay them back. How did you, how got to move you from the, that part of the banking world into uh, launching a nonprofit? Well, we finally got to a place to where we decided to sell the small bank. And so during that transition, they were asking if I wanted to stay on or if I was going to move on. And as I prayed through that, God began just uh, making it clear to me that I had been asking for years, why isn't anybody teaching these biblical principles to business leaders? And God began just really speaking to my heart that that's what he had prepared me to, to go and do. And so it was a big leap to uh, go and be an entrepreneur again and start uh, something from scratch. But that was what God encouraged me to do. So we took that leap. And that's almost 20 years ago. Yes. Mm -hmm. So how many times in that 20 years has the Lord stretched your faith and and brought you to the end of your rope so that you'd reach out and grab his again? (laughs) Probably every month. (laughs) (laughs) How fantastic is that? That's when you know your Heavenly Father loves you, when he he wants to stretch you and draw you closer each and every month. Absolutely. Let's let's take this personal for a minute. Do you have kids? Yes, I have three. You have three kids. So you've been married. How many years you've been married? Twenty eight years. Twenty eight years. Congratulations. Twenty eight years. Married. Three kids. How how have you handled the stress of being an entrepreneur and the stress of being an entrepreneur and a biblical based nonprofit, which that takes it to a whole different level that people don't understand unless they've been involved in one, being a great leader there, but being number one, keeping God as your priority, number two, keeping your wife as your number two priority, your children as number three, and then the business as number four. How has that been a struggle? You know, I've just always been able to uh, carve out time for the family and to really prioritize when they have an event or something that the kids have going on. I'm always there. It's just always been important to me. Now, that probably wasn't the case early in my business career. Uh, Actually, I was, like I said before, a workaholic a lot of times. And I used to have to carry around a Bible verse in my briefcase, uh, Psalm 127, verse 1 and 2, and I don't can't even quote it now, but every time I'd open my briefcase, I'd see that Bible verse, and I'm like, oops, it's time to go home. <laughs> I've been here long enough. And so it was helpful for me to just kind of start laying that structure for myself that I needed to be there for the kids, and I needed to spend time with my wife. Wow, I love that. I love that. And what kind of, you mentioned in your book that one of the great accountability people is 
uh, your wife, that the spouse yeah. should be a great accountability person. How has that worked in your household? You know, my wife is exactly opposite to me, which is the case with a lot of spouses. And she... <laughs> yeah. uh, and again, in our Heavenly Father's complete sense of humor, he <laughs> almost always partners us up with somebody that is completely polar opposite than us. Absolutely. And, and my wife, she is uh, bold to be able to just speak truth into my life. And I've had her on on our board for a long time. And early on, she her profession was as a nurse, and she used to complain, "Well, I have no business being on this board because I don't know anything about business, and I'm not a business person." But I've always told her, "But you know people, and you especially know me, and you know when I'm blowing smoke and when I'm not. <laughs> and you're the only one in the boardroom that has the guts most of the time to hold me accountable and say, uh." Uh-uh, that may work for others, but it's not going to work for Rick. I love that. Hey, here's that verse, Psalm 127, 1 through 2, 1 and 2. I love that I've got the internet right next to me now on this station. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Yes. So how did that speak to you on a daily basis? What did that do to redirect you? Yeah, that verse 2 just really spoke to me that I didn't need to stay at work, you know, all day and all night long in order to make ends meet. God had my back, and he had me covered, and so I could go home and spend my time ministering to my family when it was time to go home, rather than just hanging in there all the time thinking that I was going to push the needle a little further in the business world. That's such a tough battle sometimes. A boy just like, well, if I could just get a little bit more done, I'll just get ahead. But one of the things that we didn't get taught as kids is that, man, when you have children, they grow up fast. Mm -hmm. And then you blink and they're gone from the house. And you don't want to miss those years. And and I think I wish people spoke that into me and I slowed down a little bit. But, boy, I love to work. I just like to work, and it's tough. Now my kids are all grown and gone. We've only been married 29 years. My kids are all grown and gone, and they're moving across the country. My daughter's moving just north of Iowa City, and and I'm like, what? Lord, what did I do about that? And all my kids are all, I get them, they're all over the country. (laughs) So if you don't take advantage of it when they're home, you miss it because these kids are grown and gone. They've got 50 years of life ahead of them without being in your household. Mm -hmm. So, All right, so let's talk about the Integrity Resource Center. One of the things that I love, your book, again, is fantastic. And we've got a copy to give away today, 877-943-9673. How to Prosper in Business Without Sacrificing Integrity, 877-943-9673. What I love is there's just so much. I mean, I could ask you questions about so many different things. But I want to ask, you did a a tie-in in Nehemiah, which... I love that. And just recently heard a sermon, actually heard a sermon series on the business planning of Nehemiah. Oh, great. Which is fan-stinking-tastic. And I'd like to encourage every pastor listening, or if you're listening today and you've got a pastor that will listen to you, encourage him to do the same thing. Because Nehemiah really, I mean, draw the story out. Just tell the story. Because he was an incredible entrepreneur with a very specific task. He, he, he recognized the need and filled the need. How did he do it? Oh, yeah. I mean, Nehemiah showed up and and built the walls around Jerusalem in a miraculous 52 days. And he rallied the people. He, he was an amazing leader. There are so many principles that we can learn about leadership from Nehemiah's life 
that I've really been kind of planted in that book most of the time since I started this ministry. It was just a book that God told me get in and stay in, and I've learned so much just by studying Nehemiah's life and that situation that he had. But uh, I think what really speaks to me that I think is oftentimes missed out of the book of Nehemiah is, is God showed up and helped them build those walls in only 52 days, and it was a miracle. And it says, Scripture tells us, that they knew that all the adversaries feared and trembled because they knew it was God that had built those walls around. And that prepared the people's heart for a revival. They they had heard the word of God from Ezra for 12 years, and no revival had really ever come. But when they were done with their work and they knew that God had shown up, amazing things happened, and they all fell on their knees before the Lord, weeping in repentance. And they had a remarkable revival. And I think the physical labor that we do, when it gets blended with the spiritual dimension, that's when revival can come. You have written this incredible book, which I'm kind of using to guide our conversation today, but you've got so much, you've learned so much by applying biblical principles to the workplace. I mean, this book literally, as as I dog-eared, I don't dog-ear because I can't stand dog-eared books, but I got posty notes, and it's literally about an inch thicker than it used to be because it's got posty notes all through it. I just, I love the fact that everything you put in there is practical. I mean, you really put your heart into this. So was it hard to write it? Yes. <laughs> it, it, took, it took quite a while, uh, but it was a just a labor of love that uh, I really have always liked making things as practical as possible. And so I, I knew that business leaders needed to have some practical applications of Scripture before they could actually apply it. Rick, let's take this segment of the show and talk about the five pillars of integrity in business. Mm-hmm. You've written out these five pillars. You know, we've only got 11 minutes and 45 seconds in order to talk about them, but let's just really hit that. Talk about these five pillars, and then let's break them down and what they really are about. Well, the uh, the first one, and what I would consider the most important, is is the fear of the Lord. And the reason why I say that is, is if you were to ask me what differentiates the world's view on integrity versus what the biblical view is, that would be it, the fear of the Lord. Many people in the world may have reasons and motives for trying to do the right thing, but without the fear of the Lord there's usually some motive that gets personal to them that will draw them away. But if we realize that we're all living in God's world, and he sees everything that we do, and especially if we have a loving relationship with our Savior, we want to please that Lord. And therefore, the fear of the Lord, balanced with our love for the Lord, really will help keep us on track. You know, but let's just dig that out a little bit, because I know that most of the Generation X and Yers don't really understand the fear of the Lord. So take that a little bit deeper, but make it simpler, because that's that's a a thing that, you know, people growing up in a heavy evangelical background may have, they may have actually grown up with true fear, shivering fear, which I honestly think, obviously, if we get in the presence of holiness, everywhere in the scripture where somebody was confronted by an angel, the angel had to say every time, except for one that I found, every time he had to say, hey, fear not, don't be afraid, because it must be 
really freaky. Uh, so, I, And I don't know that I really want to find out, but talk about the fear of the Lord. What does that really mean? Well, you know, the way I, that I liken it to, Jim, is uh, whenever I was a child and I would mess up and get in trouble, I remember my mother would say, you just <laughs> wait till your father gets home. <laughs> what did, did they all go to school together? Like your mom, my mom, they all get the same lines? <laughs> yeah, just, I think they, they were all trained. And did your dad use the line, hey, don't make me come back there? Yep. yep. And if you're in the car? Okay, see, I think they went all to the same school. But I, uh, you know, but I would tremble with fear knowing that I was going to get punished when my dad got home. Now, does that mean I didn't love him or that he didn't love me? Well, absolutely not. I, I loved him, but I had a, a, an awe, a reverence, and a fear that consequence was coming. And I think that our relationship with God in some ways is that way, is that we don't want to go to the extreme of saying, you know, it's all about fear. The love is balanced in there as well. But awe, reverence, respect, and honor for the God that created us is what he's due. And we should willingly have that reverence and that fear of the Lord uh, in his presence. But in saying that, you know, for a while, I'd say in the 50s and early 60s, there was so much fire and brimstone talk out of the pulpit that the pendulum swung the other direction so that today very few people want to talk about the fear of the Lord. They want to talk about the love of the Lord. Well, you can't talk about one without the other because that's what justice is all about. The Lord brings them both together. And so I think we have to have the fear of the Lord in order to want to continue to do the right things and have a good um, motive to do the right things. I think you did pretty good. I, I love it. The, the awe, the reverence, the respect, and the honor. And most people today really struggle with those concepts. But boy, when you sit back and actually do an honest evaluation of how incredible God is that he created stuff out of nothing. And we've now, because of the Hubble Space Telescope, understand that the galaxies, you know, when he, when God told Abraham, you're going to have descendants as numerous as the sea, uh, as the sand on the seashore or as the stars in the sky. Nobody had any idea that Abraham was seeing light 5,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago that had come from a billion miles away. Nobody understood that, or a billion light years away, excuse me, a billion light years in either direction. I mean, how incredible is that? And and God did it all for his glory because he could, and, and they're incredible. The pictures we've seen of galaxies a billion light years away are breathtaking, staggering, and, and those are just for his glory. Uh, it's amazing. Okay, we've got to move on from fear of the Lord. The next one you have on there as a pillar of integrity in business is honesty. Isn't honesty and integrity the same thing? No, I think that honesty is a subset of integrity. Integrity means strict adherence to a moral code of ethics. Honesty is just happens to be one of those codes of ethics or one of those pieces of the code. And so many times we uh, liken the two so closely together that we overlook the depth of what integrity really means. But honesty is important. Proverbs twelve nineteen says, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. And God expects us to be truthful. And that means in completeness. We don't want to, uh, you know, withhold truth and uh, play games so that we can say, I didn't lie to you. But instead, you know, God wants us to sincerely be honest in the efforts and have truth that flows from our lips. And that's critical 
in business because without honesty, the commerce system starts to break down. Ooh, you mean like it has now? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that, that's what caused the, the crumble in 2001 with the, with the dot-com crash in 2008 with the lack of integrity within the whole real estate world. I mean, it, it's so incredible. I, I learned at an early age it was so much easier just to tell the truth because you never had to remember. Yes. You just told the truth. But when you lie, you got to remember who you told the lie to and what you told them. And, and it's you're always chasing your tail. It was mm-hmm. so much easier. And, and I just decided, wow, I just want to be the guy that just tells the truth. Because then if somebody calls me a liar, I just know they're lying because I don't lie. Because I know I know I felt the pain of getting caught in a lie. Don't want to have that happen. Just like you got caught in your lie. Yes. Yeah. All right. So fear of the Lord, honesty, trustworthiness. Describe that for us as another pillar of integrity in business, trustworthiness. Well, I mean, Jesus uh, told his disciples in Luke 16 that, you know, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And he was really getting at this trustworthiness area that he expected the disciples to actually be trustworthy in the way that they were handling their affairs. And so if it's handling money, if it's uh, managing the uh, people resources that God has given you, whatever it is, we are to be trustworthy in how we handle that, which simply means worthy of trust, that people are, are willing to entrust us with even more because we've proven well with the small things that we've been given. All right, I'm going to jump ahead to the fifth pillar servant heart, because I think people understand that a little bit, but describe it for us. The fifth, the fifth pillar of the five pillars of integrity is a servant heart. Describe that. Well, I think that, uh, you know, Ephesians 6 talks about serve wholeheartedly, as if you're serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And I think this servant's heart in business is sometimes a rarity. People seem to think that, hey, I'm climbing the corporate ladder so that everybody serves me. But reality is, is God's method was is that uh, he wanted us to humble ourselves and to serve others. And when we do that, it really models this code of ethics that God expects us to model through the Bible. Well, and it's so incredible because really the truth is you don't rise up the ladder in order for people to serve you. You rise up the ladder so you could serve more and more people. Right. It's, uh, I'm reading a book by a guy named Barry Banther right now called A Leader's Gift, and it's all about the gift of being a leader to your people, and it's fantastic. I've got him coming on in about a month, but it just talks about how truly a leader who, who lives these five pillars of integrity is truly a gift to his or her people. Yes, I, I, and I believe that very much. It's it's a lost art for many people. Mm. So talk to me about excellence, because that's one I love. I, I challenge people every day on my show that I want them to join the I Work for Him Nation to start praying for their coworkers and employees each and every day and, and to serve them and to find ways to befriend them and find ways to pray with them. But I say all along being serving with excellence in your workplace, being the best and brightest employee that you could be in your position, uh, just an example of excellence. Why is excellence so important as a pillar of integrity? Well, I think it's because uh, a lot of people think that the faith at work movement is only about evangelism. (laughs) Reality is is that um, if you don't do your work with excellence and you try and evangelize others in the workplace, 
they won't have ears to hear you. That's for sure. Say that again. I like that. That was good. Yeah. If you if you aren't living with excellence in the workplace, any evangelism that you try to do will fall on deaf ears. People won't want to grasp it and understand it. And I think so excellence is critical. But once again, God's way of things is different than the world's way. God's view on excellence is is that we are to do our work as unto the Lord, giving him the glory and the praise for what we accomplish. But instead, excellence in the world's eyes is, is I'm going to crank this out and I'm going to do it very, very well so that I get all the praise and glory personally. And so it's different whenever we're trying to do that for the Lord. And excellence is such a key piece because it's the door opener for conversations in the workplace for people to actually be willing to hear your faith because you've already proven your excellence. It's so powerful, so true, because really people don't want to hear what we got to say until they know that we care. And they're not going to know what we care. They're watching us. What's amazing is that there's a lot of non-Christ followers, not, yeah, pre-Christians, as I like to call them, out there in the workplace, but they're watching Christians, and the one thing they do know is that their behavior should be different than the Christian's behavior should be different than the non-Christian's behavior. And they could say, hey, you're a Christian. You shouldn't be doing that. They don't know what it really means to be a Christian. They just know that their life should look and feel different. Yeah. And part of that is in that excellence that we bring to the workplace. All right, so the five pillars, fear of the Lord, honesty, trustworthiness, excellence, servant heart. We're talking today with Rick Box. Rick, as we come to the end of the show, got about a minute. Can you tell people how Integrity Resource Center can be a great resource for them? Here for uh, the Christians in the marketplace that are desiring to actually live out their faith. And so we have a lot of resources on our website at integrityresource.org. Excuse me. We have different articles uh, every day. We've got our integrity moments that they can sign up for. We have some video clips that talk about uh, different things that are practical problems that people experience. And so there's just a lot of resources and tools. Plus, we do a lot of counseling. So if, if you've got an ethical dilemma or a business dilemma, feel free to call us, and we're happy to to visit with you and talk you through that. So you'll actually take people's phone calls or emails about issues and say, hey, what do I do with this? I'm not sure what to do. You'll actually take people's phone calls? Oh, yeah. We do that all the time and just love the opportunity to help people in that way. Rick, I want to thank you for being on the show today. The Integrity Resource Center, I know you're putting out fantastic stuff each and every day. you got this great book. I know you got many books out there. What a great thing to have everybody know about. Go online to integrityresource.org, integrityresource.org. Rick, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, thanks. Hey, based on today's discussion, what do you think it's going to take for us to take this city for Christ in a workplace? Do you need to work on your integrity? What does it look like to live with excellence and work with excellence in your workplace? You know, we learned today that our faith can impact the workplace, not so much by words at first, but by our actions, how we do things. People are watching us to see if our lives are different than your life or than their life. They're looking for truth. They're looking for hope. They're looking for integrity. They're looking to see if you're really different. You may call yourself a Christ follower, but does your life look different than theirs? That's why I'm challenging you to join the I Work For Him Nation. 
Commit to praying for your coworkers and employees by name each and every day. Commit to looking for ways to serve them in the workplace, but befriend them outside of the workplace. You've got an opportunity to lead them to Christ through relationship and for look for ways that you can pray with them, but all along being a servant of excellence, being the best and brightest employee in your workplace. Go out to iWorkForHim.com tonight and click on the iWorkForHim Nation flag and join. Join the iWorkForHim Nation. You've been listening to iWorkForHim with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower, and I own my own business. But ultimately, I work for him. 